remember the olden days when podcasting involved just sitting at a table with a Zoom recorder and uh, three bottles of wine and you could get it done in one fell swoop at a reasonable hour? It did. Well, welcome to the future. Uh, it's all fucked. Yeah, yeah. future podcasting does suck. We've had a, a inauspicious starts like five episodes in a row now. We had Which it I don't understand. Huh? Oh, it's just I don't internet. understand it. It's just Brooklyn internet, man. You're at the mercy of Optimum, and there's no way around it, you know? I I, I bought, I, you know, returned all the Christmas presents I was sent that I finally got, like, last week. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, because it was, like, small t-shirts. And I was like, those are going to shrink, and then I'm not so small. Yeah, it's not like um, at this point those would fit you anyway. I, I really don't okay. think you can blame the wash for this. Okay, I would so blame it's the partial RVs. wash, partial fat ass, but you know, <laughs> like, but on the, I was like, oh, okay, and then I was like, I got a ninety dollar gift card. Okay, cool. Oh, this router is a hundred. Give me, give me the router. Give me the router. Let's let's fuck this shit. So, <sighs> you're trying. Eventually you're trying. Day. Uh, you know, and I and I can't say a hundred percent for certain that it's all your fault. It could be my fault too. I have no idea. I mean, you never know, I, unless. Until the day comes when I am, you know, hardwired into it from, you know, the wall. That's the only way I would know that it's like good to go. Yeah. Why don't why don't we set you up with that? You know, if it helps at all, I would bite the cost of the goddamn cable if that's what you really need. You know, I have like a bunch of those yellow cables floating all over the place, but they don't plug into the, the MacBook. I don't know how they plug into the book. Oh, you need a dongle. It's Apple getting us oh, again. Course, you need, need that dongle. dongle with like five different ports in it that has an Ethernet. Jesus fucking Christ. Yep. $70 dongle. That's what you actually need. Why do we need so many dongles? Apple can. S- Apple needs to get their lives. No one wants to have little accessories everywhere. I have a projector dongle. I've got, you know, nicotine dongle. Like, I don't need all these, something that sounds like a penis <laughs> attached to my computer. I just want to go, I want to plug and play like what I normally like to do with said penises. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not like dongle is terrible. <sighs> okay. Okay. I feel better now. Good. Okay. You got you got your little dongle penis rant out, huh? Um <laughs> w- would you like to do a would you like to do a warm up tonight? Oh, did you did you prepare a warm up? Uh, I for figured me? since you were the one working and I had the day off that I that I would prepare a small list for you here. Okay. Very good. Okay. Oh good. And my business papers are over. Very good. Okay. Uh, just a second here. God damn it. All right. All right. You ready? We're just going to go for it. This is the warm-up list for January 24th. Jewel tones. Um, complicated relationship with, um, admiration for those who can, um, hate it, uh, in mass-produced objects because it's always done wrong. Oh, okay. Uh, you have a complicated relationship. It always looks cheap. Yes. It looks cheap because when it's mass, pr- like when it's luxe and it's like French velvet and like, you know, Italian linens. Sure. Like woolens. Oh, beautiful Italian woolens. You know, we're talking the best Italian woolens. Ah, I got a it. A nice rich jewel bottle green, like mm, emerald. Nothing better. There's like nothing wrong with rich. The, there's nothing wrong with the colors per se, but it has a lot to do with the substrate. The material, the fabrication in the substrate. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, vitamin D. Well, to me, that means something very different from what it means to most people. <laughs> Can you expound on that? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Vitamin D. 
Oh, sorry. Dick. I thought you were um, talking about the Fiden series of books. Oh, no, I hate that too. I hate all those vitamin P like vitamin P and D. I'm like I'm like when are they going to do like I'm sure there's going to be some someone, you know, more galaxy brain than me needs to do vitamin uh P and V where it's virtual painting and it's like the six people who do it just for the they got to do the joke. I mean, dude, yeah, I love vitamin P and D, you know what I'm saying? Oh boy. I I I mean, otherwise like I love sun, but also I'm a ghoul 90% of the year until it's summertime. And then I'm like, take me to the beach and leave me there. Mm-hmm. Biden's Catholic faith. He's Catholic. Yeah. That's all I got for that. Okay. Communion wafers. Should come with a dip. Colin Hanks. Nice guy. How do you know? Met him. You did? Yeah. Wait, what's the story here? We got to pause the list for the Colin Hanks meet. Yeah, Colin Hanks, very sweet guy, very tall, tall dude. Um, are you thinking of Chet Hanks? Are you confusing? No, I'm your thinking Hanks? of Colin Hanks, the priest from Mad Men. Yeah. it was my connection to Catholicism. Yeah. yeah, very sweet dude. Um, he was a customer of mine. Uh, you know, downtown is a, a wonderful, vibrant scene of uh, people in the world, and uh, super sweet guy was like, "Oh, I think I need to return these. I don't think these are my size." I'm like, "Have a seat. Let's work this out." He's like, "Like, I didn't." nothing and i was like everyone leave me alone don't ask me for shit i'm working with tom hanks's son everybody fuck off and they were like what i'm like shut up yeah did other people even recognize him i feel like he's a relatively obscure celebrity he like had the baseball cap and like was you know because he has like a line of bandanas so he was wearing one of his bandanas and i was like mm, you're, yeah looks like a brooklyn hipster but just tall interesting but like you know that face and you're like you so, you, but he was couldn't be nicer. That's good. Was this the era when he was on Mad Men? I would have been t- no, no. I would have been living in Ohio. Oh, okay, okay. This was like last year, like last November. When did he start this line of bandana things? Because that sounds kind of douchey, to ago. be honest. It's like Hank's hankies. Oh God, I really don't it, like that. I mean, it's sort of, it's a very normy thing to do. It seems on brand for his family, but I object. They look good, but you're like, why is this $45? It's a cotton square. Yeah, right. Sir. Oh, they must have made you a know. killing because of COVID. I tried to I tried to buy one in March, and you could not. They were all sold out. Mm, okay. All right. Because like, everyone in LA was like, I'll buy one. Of course. It'll be like a thing. Oh, I'm sure. Like, Fuck off. Okay. List continues. Cashew cheese. Excuse me? Cashew did you, cheese. Did you not cheese. Barely cashews. I've had it on things and i was like "Mm, what is this it doesn't taste like anything it tastes like goo yes salty goo which it is not the fun kind saturday night fever i've never seen it i have no thoughts santos party house i think i only went there once and i don't like cocaine so i have it has no allure same thing i was thinking about this recently like i was like why did everyone love china chalet i'm like no everyone loved cocaine Yes, that is correct. That's why you go to there. <laughs> so, like, I, nothing for me. Um, but, uh, yeah. People like to talk about so. cocaine in the 1970s, but in New York City, really, everything below 14th Street is powered by cocaine. Houston. Yeah, 14th Houston. Street. No, no, no. You, uh, above Houston, it's a little more amphetamine-based. You know, the kids at NYU have to, like, make it through finals. That's true. So that's a lot of Adderall. There's a lot of Adderall going on, yeah. Okay. Uh, Santo Tequila. Who? Santo. I also tequila. 
I've never heard of this. It is Guy Fieri and Sammy Hagar's celebrity tequila brand. It must taste like piss. I can't <laughs> imagine that being good at all. I, uh, I mean, well, what what's the name? Sammy Hagar has his restaurant chain, right? Oh, does he? I'm not even sure. It, it sounds like he would, but I don't know it. I think he does. I think he has some kind of chain I- along the lines of like Margaritaville, mm-hmm. and he has his own like he has the Skull Vodka or the Skull. No, tequila, no, no. That's right? Dan Aykroyd. Really? Yeah. Ooh, that's playing against type, but okay, sure. Yeah, I, I was I was only putting that on the list because I discovered it tonight at the liquor store. I was looking oh, for Caramana tequila, and I ended up with Guy Fieri. So. And how does it taste? Oh no, I didn't buy it. I should. I should have. Oh. I mixed. I mixed up my wording there. I'm feeling a little mealy mouthed tonight. But no, I. I just. I just saw that instead of Terramana tequila. And you didn't get it. I you didn't had get the it. opportunity to like. Do you know why I didn't get it? Well, commit to the bit. How much does it cost? Ninety dollars. Forty-five dollars for the seven fifty. In Ohio. Yeah. George Clooney's was cheaper. Yeah, I was gonna say I was at Hannah today, and like Casamigos was like forty-two dollars. Yeah. Exactly. George Clooney's Mezcal was cheaper, so. All right. Mm. I I bought a Mezcal today that I'm a little... It's it, it's like in an old-timey, like, whiskey glass bottle. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but it's like, it could be good. It could be absolutely terrible. Oh, old-timey, old-timey whiskey bottle. Like, does it have kind of netting around it? No. Oh, okay, never mind. No. Uh, it, it's uh, white and red label. Mm. All right, we'll have to talk about it later. We've burned enough. We always burn time on cocktail hour, but... Here we go with the list. Wall Street bets. Hate it. I mean, Wall Street is just betting anyway. I don't understand why there's a Reddit thing about it. Like, come on. Like, it's all just gambling. It's just gambling. Capitalism gambling, which already is that. (laughs) It's like, you know, when you look at the butter and there's the lady holding the box of butter, how much deeper do you want to go in that (laughs) little pitfall, man? Oh yes, that. Uh, I hope someone understands that reference. Yes. If they don't, fuck them. Um, lone gunman theory. Oh, is this the like? It's a lone wolf working independently. Blah, 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 blah. It's specifically about JFK. It's the theory that Lee Harvey Oswald was the only gunman. Sure. Sure. Oh, Will's for it. Okay, okay. And lastly, sure. no, no. Sure, it's the. Do you hear the suspicion? Ah, because I, I don't want to put on a watch list. Like, you know, the F, you know. Obviously, the camera's on. The FBI's watching right now. Hold yeah. On. So for of the course, it was just just him alone. Of course, yes. Yeah. For the NSA, if you're listening, Green and Lewis supports the lone gunman theory 100. percent We absolve you 100 percent for getting him out of the way. Of course. Operation Northwoods. Okay. Um, inauguration poetry. I need everyone to stop acting like they knew who this fucking poet lady was. They need to honestly, like, like, oh my god, so beautiful. And then everyone's like, okay, you like poetry? You want to fund some arts education? I'm like, that's the one. That's the thing. Like, everyone's like, oh my god, it's stunning. I'm like, you don't read fucking poetry. You can barely read. I've seen some of the fucking sentences some of these goddamn people have written down. And I'm like, you don't know anything grammatic, any grammatic correctness that could you could break to make beauty and also fuck you like you're like oh my god i knew she was the poet laurie like get wrecked you don't know shit fuck off yeah nobody knew who this broad was before she was at the inauguration come on i did oh, like her yellow like, oh, no, Prada I've jacket i do have to say I, th- I think there was some kind of controversy people were mad that it was expensive or something but hey it's a special oh occasion. no that's the that's the daughter that's one of the daughters was wearing mew mew and it looked like shit 
oh. hat trick to Natalie Lerner going thoughts. And I went, God, that's ugly. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking we'll about you're talking about Kamala's uh, cousin or whatever. I thought it was a daughter. The turf looking girl. A girl who is so rich she doesn't have to, you know, get her eyebrows done. And if anyone talks about it, they're, you know, anti-feminist. And it's like, girl, no, it's just uh, offensive to look at. Like, Right. A, gr- a girl who's... Everybody got to do it. A girl whose armpits I've never seen, but I can guarantee look like a tumbleweed. <sighs> See, no. Theory. Here's your theory. Okay. Hairy legs, unibrow, shaved pits. That's usually it's you know it's a tri- it's a trio. You can only have t- you can only pick two. It's like going to Panera. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, I'll have the uh, Asiago cheddar bagel and the shaved legs, please. Okay, shaved legs, but it's going to be Bush City, and you're going to be like, "Well, I can't find it. I don't know. It's we're going to have to like go in the back door. I can't see it. Sorry." Well, I thought as an extension of legs, it would be like everything below the waist, right? No, no. That's also not how thing. that works. Just like, oh yeah, like because Americans are crazy. Americans have terrible ideas of what like a beauty standard is because it's like been so warped. So people are like, no, this is, I obviously have to shave my legs, but like I'll let you know I'll let it run rampant, or it's like I don't shave my pits, but I do have a landing strip. Right. Yeah. Well, interesting. That is kind of true. It's it's like everything else in America. It's just very polemic. You go really far in one direction or the other. But at the same time, Americans are kind of incoherent. So yeah. you take bits and pieces of, of different ideologies, in this case, pubic hair trimming, and cross them over. Yeah, you're right. It just... it Well, because uh, Americans are famously uncomfortable with their own bodies. Yeah, do you think we inherited that from the British? I think we did. No, that's a Puritan thing. Well, yeah, then that's in strictly that, that was that was the Brits, you know. Yeah, but the British were like a little more like UK Brits are a little more laissez-faire. They're like, whatever, I do what I want. Like they're the ones who are like, no, I well, no, the French are the ones who are like, no, no, the legs they are glossy, but don't shave my pits; it, it itches, and I don't. And you're like, okay. I mean, do you have strong feelings about this personally, as far as body hair grooming goes? Because I kind of feel like I just want I just want you to be consistent. You know what I mean? And I do appreciate a little bit of grooming. I, I, I know it's probably controversial, but like if you're letting it go, whether you're a man or a woman, I think that that's wrong. I don't think people should do that. As a uh, uh, a person who sucks dick, if it's you know if I'm picking it out of my teeth, we have a problem. Yeah, it's that's what I'm great. saying. And then I, it's it's just distracting. I go go. Uh, huh. It's in my it's it's in the back of my throat. Huh. Right. Huh. Like take it down, but also like, please don't go all the way. Like I, you know, a a bald situation. Very very scary and confusing. I think that looks very very unnerving on a man to be sure, because you have an I appendage there. I mean, you know, it depends. I, I, I would tend to agree, but I think you can get away with it a little bit more on a woman because there's sort of there's sort of an absence of something there. So absence no. meeting absence doesn't really matter. But, you know, no. with your third arm, it, it's very alarming okay. when it looks like a baby. Yeah, I don't... Uh, 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 no, especially if you're just like, you know, it's 2 a.m. and you're on a walk and you're like, oh, wow... Mm, I have a baby here. Mm, I think I should go. Because <laughs> um, this is no fun to play with. I have nothing to do with this. Um, no, I, I just think it's 
a series of unfortunate mistakes when people don't just do the thing of like, well, I'm doing it for me. If I want to do it, if it's always this kind of thing of like, well, I'm feeling uncomfortable because what if people like that's a problem. Like I'll go to the beach in a speedo and have like, you know, part of my hairy ass hanging out and I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, you know, but let's be honest, though. You're not doing it for yourself. Body grooming is for oh. other people. So whether uh, you're re- accepting it or rejecting it, you must admit that it's for an audience. Anybody that says, I just do this for me, is lying. There's no I such mean, thing I as do... trimming trimming your nether regions for any other reason than for other people. No, I, I do the swipes on the pits like quarterly just to be like, well... I was feeling a little too sweaty. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Hey, maybe I'm wrong, but that's just my perception here. Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, now right. that everyone's turned the podcast off, welcome to Green and Yeah, Lewis. welcome to Green and Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, um, man. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of disappointed at the inaugural day that, you know, I had so much, like, anxiety going into something's going to go wrong something's going to be a terrible thing. And then it was like, well, it happened and it's over. And I'm like, here's your Bernie memes on a chair. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I, did you actually tune in for the inauguration? Because I actually didn't watch any of it. Everything no, I know about work. it is completely in the media glow. Which Because it's supposed to be a non-event. You're supposed to not think about it. You're just be like, oh, it's done. Okay, great. Well, I don't know. And... It, I don't even really want to talk about the inauguration because nothing happened and because I feel like the entire thing is um was a, a massive event in gaslighting. Like the only things I saw about it were unequivocally positive and talking about how inspirational it was and comparing Joe Biden's speeches to like Abraham Lincoln and I was like, "Look, Ooh. I didn't even watch the thing Ooh. and I Ooh. can tell you for oh sure that that's not true." You know? So Lincoln, huh? I don't like this. You went to Lincoln? Yeah. Someone compared <laughs> it to Lincoln's second inaugural, which is where like the phrase better angels of, angels of our nature comes from. Like it, you know, it's nothing like that. It couldn't have been. <laughs> but anyway, no. I mean, so all I'm trying to say is that I felt entirely like gaslit by the media portrayal of what is certainly a non-event at the end of the day. Um and I don't like this uh, late Soviet atmosphere of open propagandizing that everyone knows is false. It's very unnerving. There's something weird about it. I, yeah. yeah I, you know, what is it called? The copium of it all is very apparent in people's like logic where they're like, I, it goes back to the whole thing of, I just don't want to think about the orange man anymore. And it's like, well, you don't have to, but you also don't have to cheerlead something that's not going to do anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't. Because, like, you know, two days ago I got the email from Navient that was like, hey, bitch, it's almost the end of January. Can I have your money? And I was like, no, no, absolutely not. We're still in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I will say at least they extended um, the non payment of student loans a little bit longer. And at least they put the interest rates at zero, which is really nice. For who? I got a bill. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't check on mine anymore. I'm not going to pay it, but like, you know. You might have just gotten a bill as a formality, but it might have been a bill for $0 with zero interest. You, you don't. No, it was like, please oh, please send us $550, and also you're behind. And I went, oh, well. Behind on what? You, what? Have, you have private loans, right? Do they not count towards that? They don't count. No, you, well. There's nothing anybody can do about your bank loan. Sorry, buddy. 
Oh, apparently mm-hmm. you can hire a lawyer. Um, and I learned this from Melinda. She's, she was like, oh no, they're trying to work on it because if you just exhaust them and annoy them, they'll drop it down some. And I was like, ooh, but then you're paying a lawyer, which, uh, yeah, I mean, that's not no. going to be cheap by any stretch of the imagination, no, but, I, but no. I'm not surprised to hear that because I would imagine that major banks are getting really tired of not getting paid. And at a certain point, they just want something. Um, so even though and, and, you know, they might be doing this in in anticipation of the idea that Biden will do some kind of student loan relief and, you know, or regulate this. Uh, monstrosity of a scam in some sort of way and they're like uh oh we don't want people to get out of this so if they'll pay us anything now before something happens uh, we'll take it yeah I, I don't know I'm just speculating but completely. even even if I owed them 30% which was a number that was dangled in front of my face as a possibility I was like oh, that's still $50,000 so I mean but it's manageable more manageable in a lifetime for sure oh yeah you know whatever like can be done Still would be annoying to do. Yeah. Like, can, yeah. can you just be like, art school's a scam? Like, it, it's like University of Phoenix. Can I have my money? Like, I don't know. Like, Well, you know what, dude? I'm I'm really afraid because I, you know, I saw you posting about, like, uh, student loan debt stuff after the inauguration. And saw a couple other people posting about that. Obviously, that's, like, a big issue for people like us, like, down, downwardly mobile, uh, formerly middle class people. Like, student loan debt's the number one thing. We don't have any real financial burden it's all this debt scammery yeah um but oh god i lost my train of thought where was i going with this you saw the post and you were thinking lots of people posting etc oh um yeah hang on just give me a minute to collect compiling compiling readers you know how when you're using an apple product and you get the spinning wheel of death i'm watching it on someone's face right now it's very interesting (laughs) yeah that just happened to me i'm gonna i'm gonna blame it on my drink situation i uh I tried a new thing tonight, which is I made myself a double in a shaker, um, but I think I poured most of it out for the first drink. Okay. So it's putting the spinning wheel of death on me. But anyway, we were talking about student loan debt stuff, right? Yeah, I was just posting shit because like, I was like, okay, now that the, the, the riffraff has gone to bed at like, you know, at like 1030, people were like, okay, and then? And I was like, yeah. Oh, here's what I was going to say. What I'm actually really afraid of is that they are going to do some kind of student loan debt relief, but that it's going to be extremely means tested. Because I already read a thing where Biden was talking about how they might do $10,000 of relief, right? Everybody's known that. Um, But that that $10,000 of relief might only apply to undergrad loans, which I don't really have. I'm fine with this. Keep going. Um, but that's just to say that, like, you know, they're not even going to do $10,000 just blanket. They're going to do $10,000 in particular. And you were saying something about can't we just admit art school t- is a scam. And I'm like, what if they do something where, like, oh, you get a lot of student loan forgiveness, but only if you're in a STEM field or only <gasps> if you did something useful? You know, I could really imagine this happening where the people that sort of need it the most, the people that paid the most for the most useless degrees are the ones that are going to get hung out to dry. Because there's no political will to help people like us. Which is insane. Like, the whole goal of, like, there's a quote where it's, like, you know, like, you know, your your great-grandparents worked so that way you could have, like, a, you know, worked a certain kind of job so that way you could have a better job. And then you could study law 
you know, like some kind of physical thing. And then those parents worked to, so you could study law and medicine. And then those right. people worked so you could study poetry and art. And it's like, well, what if you, yeah, what if you had that like middle class blue collar thing where it's like, well, you can do this because we established this modem and we're like, yeah, that is like the thing I want to do. And it's like, oh no, you're skipping a generation. You actually can't do that. But like we sold that to you. People like you and I, and probably a lot of our listeners, we accidentally skipped like three or four generations. Let's be honest. Our parents went from like blue collar workers to one generation of white collar workers, if we were lucky, to a bunch of artists. And it's like, uh uh-oh, whoopsie. There was supposed to be a few more generations of white-collar work in there before you finally got to the, like, aristocratic aspirations. Um, But, you know. Yeah, like, you know, when you're you're from, like, a... I I will say, like, I, you know, my family is the immigrant side, and then it's just like, oh, it's blue-collar, and then it's like, uh, play-acting some kind of higher white-collar of, like, the retail, like, the, the, you know in the J and J, but like playing in it and participating in it, but not like, you know, not working in an office and not having a C-suite. Like that's the only people who achieve in our world are the sons and daughters of, of the very rich, or if not the very rich, like the comfortable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the one, the ones that have gone through enough generational transformation to have earned that moment and have the, um, familial stability to actually maintain it you know i think a lot of that comes from the idea that like your family also appreciates the arts and supports artists by buying your paintings by doing things that help your career go along like they also have the intellectual foundation uh to understand the needs uh uh practically of an arts career whereas like my family they they don't understand what it takes or what you need to be an artist which is basically just support of people around you for extended periods of time like that's really what it takes and that actually you know blue collar people don't accept that and for good reason at the same time at the same time though that's 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 kind of a it's not a hundred percent true because think about your situation now think about my entire 2018 like there is still this value of you know our parents were like no no you have something that you believe in you should do it and we will help you when we you know if the you know if things go awry we can help you but it it will be a strain on us versus like you know someone with a trust fund is like well just use your trust fund like what are you talking about like it's very different where it's like you're no, right. you're committed to that like we will help you like as long as that's a thing and it's like you know you don't there's that strain of you don't want to disappoint because it's like, no, I was afforded the opportunity to be, you know, highly educated and a good thinker, you know, through just kind of like probably being like on a spectrum of something, you know? Sure. Whether that's ADHD or whatever, like, I don't know. I would just make a distinction between, um, between these types of support because it's not, you know, in the way that I'm being supported or the way that you were being supported in 2018, that is more just a uh, desperate support for a fledgling person. Like, I think that's just something that families do. Like, you know, they will always help you uh, in your time of need, no matter what. But it is not about it is not about fostering my career as an artist that I'm being helped. Oh, it's yeah, about no, yeah, it's yeah. about helping me psychologically be a person. as a human yeah. being <laughs> be like a not, person in the world not yeah. completely fucking fall apart like a house of cards yeah that's when i'll get the help but but you're making an important point 
more broadly than that, which is just that um, there is there is support at these at these lower class levels. I don't mean to say that there's nothing, but it's a it's a it's a much more um, it's a little bit more fraught for the person receiving it in a way that isn't um, on the higher echelon because there's there's no guilt attached to that because it was always kind of pre-planned like it's going to be hard for you where it's like no you 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 know you overachieve for so long and then you you know you know on the low end you're like you overachieved in the face of and then you're like wait the real world's harder and also i don't know any of your friends oh wait i do know your friends but they're not spending two thousand dollars on paintings right often enough to do anything and they have no clout in an arena that you want to go in you want to play in right and the the higher echelon friends and connections that you do make along the way inherently have no real respect for you because you weren't part of their clique to begin with well i don't know if that's necessarily true but like you do have people who um you know who do play in that and they're like oh no you you are hungry and will help you but also you're not a project to them like there's no attachment it's just like oh no i'll help you out like you're nice like but I'm not gonna you you know part of your thing is that you will get there eventually and it's like uh, okay but you don't know what that's gonna look like when you're in it yeah yeah does that make sense it does well and and it makes it makes everything particularly fraught and difficult because you're not in a position to um, to take advantage of certain things you're not familiar with the terrain you know so y- well you're also viewed as a favor. Yeah. Oh, this one, this is just my favorite a collector. Like, I don't know. Like, right. it's not going to, like, if he doesn't know, like, whatever, it's not going to, it's like three months, like, fuck it. You right, know, right, it's, right. it's a, it's a short term kind of thing. It's not an investment in the long term because it's just like, oh, it's capitulation to be like, oh, no, the person who has a little more power than me wants a favor for this other person. So this whole thing is just a continual back scratching. And then you're just like, eh, okay. So I did it. So the favor's over. Sure. I fulfilled my obligation. Here's my little stone thing, John Wick. Right, right, right. And I am released from the obligation, and then whatever I do with this person doesn't really fucking matter. Right. Because I did it. Right. If you hand me your ticket, I will tear it. Yes. But then you yes, can never yeah. come home again. <laughs> yeah, sure. I just yeah. rewatched John Wick 2 the other night. So. I Yeah, I, I do want to watch 3 again, because I feel like I was not in the right... I don't remember it enough. And I don't know why. Well, we, you and I used to have this problem where we'd go to Alamo Drafthouse and get like a little too drunk before watching a movie and then not really remember most of it. <laughs> that was only once. And that was Captain, that was Marvel. Captain Marvel. And I was hammered. <laughs> yeah. And I loved that movie. But I hated it because I didn't remember a goddamn thing. No, you know, um, I, I, I just said that I rewatched John Wick 2, but that's not true. I, re- I rewatched John Wick 3 is what I meant. Because that's the one with Angelica Houston uh, and the line I just quoted of the ticket tearing. Wait, she's in it? Oh, yeah, she's the ballet teacher yeah. in the audience, mm-hmm. yes. And then she dies at the end? Yeah. Or in the middle of it? Yeah. Oh, I don't even know if she dies. She just gets stabbed through the hand with a samurai sword. Oh, yeah, I know there Remember was Remember that? Blood. It's the one with the turf that's the adjudicator. You loved that character. Oh, yeah. I know I hated her. No, no, I ha- I hate all that turfs. Was the most all turfs. Si- that was the most similar character to you in any movie that I've ever seen. Someone that just gets <laughs> to show up at a location in a fancy car in fancy dress and uh, tell them how they've wronged uh, y- their employer. 
like, hi, you've been doing this wrong, and <laughs> yeah. uh, it's time to collect. So, all right, you need to get your house in order. All right, got to stab you now. You know how this goes. Oh, that is kind of my, that is my MO. Like, mm-hmm. hi, you did this all wrong, just so you know. You gave okay. John Wick seven bullets, you have seven days. Wow, okay, yeah. That... <laughs> huh, yeah. But yeah, you know, I mean, um, speaking of watching things, I was going to pitch something to you for a future episode a couple weeks down the line. Um, Adam Curtis has a new documentary coming out. And I thought we should maybe <sighs> we should maybe watch it and do it on the show. Fine. Oh, really? You're <laughs> I'm that not excited about by it? this at all. Oh, that sucks. I mean, if you're not excited I'd... about it, we don't have to do it. I didn't know you. Would oh no, feel that I think way. I think the frizzin would be entertaining for the listener. Yeah, maybe. I'm just surprised. I mean, y- you don't like Adam Curtis or what? I I don't have the no. I mean, I'm always like, oh, well, that's interesting, but I'm not like. You know, I don't, you know, light a candle, pour a glass of wine, and throw a, a dollar bill up on the altar, you know? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I don't I don't really think that I'd do that either. I mean, I, I think that... You sure? I mean, I love Adam Curtis. I'm not going to... Yeah, see, there you go. I'm not yeah. going to claim that I don't, but I don't, I don't view him as some sort of saint or something. It's just that... Um, I don't know. It's a, it's, it, he's an important, like, auteur that doesn't make things that often. And so when they come around, I, it's it, it, I would be interested in seeing it almost no matter what, see, even if it's I, bad. I, I, I have this kind of thing with with you know him where it's like where he's like, see, huh? And you're like, okay, thoughts. And you're like, well, no, no, I I put it together. You see? And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. You got a you got a projection. And they're like, no, it's pretty bad. And you're like, yeah, you've provided the evidence that choices have been made and they are not great for the rest of society or all of society so okay what's the way out well you know what i think is not you know i don't think that any artist has the ability or the responsibility to give prescriptions about how to uh move forward I don't really, you know, I don't really think that's the the job of creators. That's the job of citizens and politicians, basically. Yeah. If you're talking they're, about they're, a society, the, but like, it's not like the poetics of a, a Herzog situation. But I would say that a- Adam Curtis has a similar poetics, but he just he does a a similar thing to Herzog in that he's a montage master, but his montages are poppier and quicker. Whereas it's, Herzog it's is a more atmosphere, atmospheric yeah. thing. Yeah, like the the Curtis thing is very like data. Like here's statistics, here's the images, here's the the clips, and you're like, okay, it, it's very evidentiary in its mode. And then a Herzog is like, I have evidence, but I I have wonderment, which is always why like you know the joy of a Herzog is like you have this little tingle in the back of your mind of like, oh yeah, Herzog is just so much more cosmic in scope, where he's concerned yeah. with. You you know the the, the old Paula, Paul F. Tompkins impression of Herzog, where he's like, "It's human beings against nature." Like that's funny because it's actually true. Like Werner Herzog is talking about things that have existed for hundreds of thousands of years, and like the connection that exists to primordial humanity, and like it's dawning into the world. Like his take on civilization transcends anything particularly political. Adam Curtis just has different subject matter where he's actually just talking about the last hundred or 200 years and like 
maybe even less the last few decades and what uh, has or hasn't gone right. But I think that yeah. when you're talking about like stylistically, why I think Adam Curtis is just as good is his montages moving a little bit faster and using like found footage from the internet. Like he's a very internet based sort of documentarian and it works uh, well for his subject matter. Whereas like if Werner Herzog was using like YouTube videos of like young girls dancing, like I I don't, (sighs) you know, it would seem like uh, some eyes wide shut Jeffrey Epstein pedophilia instead of seeming funny (laughs) like it does in Adam Curtis. You know, do do you see the TikTok? Do you feel the people right. doing the dance? Do you feel the dance within you? Our ancestors, for many years, expressed themselves and their relationship to the nature and the winds by moving their arms and shaking the hips, <laughs> and they they yard as well. Yeah, or woas? It's wo it's woeing. What, what is it? Yang or woeing? The woe is a dance. Oh, I don't know. Nay, nay. I don't know. Uh, crumping. Uh, no, that's no. No one crumps anymore. It's not <laughs> fucking 2008. What the fuck is wrong with you? Um, remember when the art world had a, a moment with that, like around like uh videos, especially around like uh what the fuck is it called? The Prospect One. It was like here's some crumping videos, and it was like oh my god, it's like you know a dance like people dance because it's like Africa, and you're like whoa, racist. Oh yeah, Calm for down. sure, for sure. Stop it. That was when that was when the art world was doing big time tokenism and ooh baby more than anything ooh. else it reminds me of the Parks and Rec scene where Jean Ralphio and Aziz Ansari's character have a drum line come into the party. Oh wow, <laughs> that was also pop culture. And a bangle like tiger. The, the, oh, the bangle tiger. Oh boy. Yeah, there were choices made that now looking back, I'm like, ooh, that was. Yeah, there was not. a moment when like yeah. the aesthetics of historically black colleges were the number one thing that white people thought about black culture. Well, that was because of the movie Drumline. Yeah, that's true. Nick Cannon, it's his fault. Everything, every, everything like wrong with white people adopting black culture probably started with Nick Cannon. Mm-hmm. Yep, Nick Cannon makes Brian Gumble look like Malcolm X. <laughs> Okay. Um, that was deeply intertextual. I hope that the audience got what I was that's, doing there. That's after-show <laughs> behavior. What are you doing? Oh boy. Jesus Christ. Ugh. Oh, by the way, Dave Chappelle, COVID nineteen. Oh yeah. I hope he doesn't <sighs> die like Larry King. Oh yeah. I mean, again, more Horcruxes going down for fucking Betty White every goddamn day. And you're just like, wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, Betty White's locked in the same bunker as Joe Biden, that's for sure. Betty White probably, if she probably, like, had COVID and was like, no, 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 thank you. And it, like, bounced away from her body. Like, it was like, no, no, we can't, we can't live here. And she was like, away. And it just, like, floated out of her fingertips and shit. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what deal with the devil that she, like, sold, but, like, I don't know. You save enough dogs and, like, you're fucking blessed forever. Yeah. I don't know. I think when you're just um, so old that you smell enough like death that a virus can't even live upon you. <laughs> she's spry. Oh, sure, sure. But she's got to be... Her and... Uh, she's, like, 99 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, right. That's There's what nothing... It, like, that's a terrible host as a virus. You're like, uh, maybe not. Maybe not here. I can't do anything here. 
Yeah, it's not worthwhile. You're only getting another year or two out of, of life out of that. You want to hit somebody young yeah, and like, spry so you can keep moving as a virus. You know? Someone young who's like, yeah, I'm going to go to a... I'm going to go on a flight and go on vacation. Um, Did you see that New York Times article that was about what Wuhan looks like right now? It made me so jealous. Oh, it was like a rave? Yeah. I, just saw I mean, picture. people are taking, was like a, going a to weddings. Thing. There's like a rock concert. They're going to dance classes. I mean, God damn it. I might move to China. What? What? Are you going to take up dance now, interpretive dance? I mean, maybe. I don't know. Body, I... body movement? Hey, Capoeira. I just watched the Bee Gees documentary last night, the one on HBO. I would highly recommend that to anybody listening. It's pretty good. Mm. Um, but the Bee Gees, uh, Justin Timberlake is in that documentary, and he makes a fairly compelling case that uh, the Bee Gees are the vocal embodiment of bodily dancing, and that's why it makes you want to move when you listen to it. So yeah, it's breathing. I got every, up. every song is like breathing based. Yes, and he he says that their vocalizations. What did you, say? you got up and started doing it. I did. I actually got up and started dancing when that documentary hit a certain pitch. I mean, it goes through their career uh, in an interesting way. Did you know that they actually started out as it's part of very the, Caucasian of you? Well, you'll, um, well, you know, of course, the documentary is um, inflected all along the way with how they appropriated from black music, which is true. They're basically an R and B band when you really think about it. Yeah, it's like soul. Yeah, yeah, and and they were they were riffing off the Delphonics and people like this. But uh, of course, d- did you know that they started out as part of the British Invasion? That they were like a Beatles ripoff band. Yeah, and they yeah. had an initial wave of success, and then they went out of fashion, and then came back into fashion, and then went out of fashion again. Because the monkeys fucked it up for all that British wave. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Because it, it made it kitschy and like, yes. you know, all of that kind of like mod shit was like turned into like, you take the, the Sergeant Pepper of it all and then you just make it camp. And then it was like, no, no, too gay. And then the Americans were like, no, thank you. And we're going to do acid over here. Yes. And then on, the in our thing. way. And it's going to be a little dirtier. It's not going to be fanciful because we have, we don't have as much history. We're going to buy turquoise jewelry and we're fringe. Right. Yeah. I mean, it really it really puts into perspective how well the Beatles actually navigated that. Like, think about "Let It Be" coming out in, I believe, nineteen seventy. Though, really, I you don't it. like that period of the Beatles? I don't like the Beatles. Period. Oh, speaking of somebody else that died, Phil Spector. Maybe you were he listening did? to the yeah. Maybe you were listening to the Phil Spector version of uh, the "Let It Be" sessions, the overproduced one. Because I, the more pared down version is very good. You don't like the Beatles at all. I mean, how can you even no. say that? That's a really weird thing well, to say. Rolling Stones, baby. Hello. Oh, oh, that sucks, dude. But that does make complete sense for you. Okay. I fine. like grungy guitar. It makes me happy. Yeah, but it's like the Rolling Stones just, I guess, made the same songs over and over. They're just, yeah, it, it hit the wall. And and when it was like, uh, what's the one with the cake on it? I don't know what that album is, but, um. It has, you can't always get what you want on it. And right. then, like, after that, I'm like, I don't care. We're done here. Um, but, yeah, no, I need that grungy, like, paint it. Like, paint it black is a lovely song. You listen to that in mono? Ooh, baby. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I can't speak to the Rolling Stones. I didn't grow up with either the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, so I, I'm not really sure. I came to all this stuff later, and I've never done, like, a Rolling Stones deep dive. So I just know the ambient hits that every American knows. You know what I mean? Mm. Sort of like Tom Petty. Like it. W- it wasn't until Tom Petty died 
that I paid attention to his music. It was just a thing you heard in the world. You know, that's, that's how I true. feel about well, the Rolling Stones. That's the Midwest, though. The Midwest was like, no, music stopped in 1982. We don't. And also disco didn't happen. Um, yes. Glam rock didn't happen. No, glam rock like, happened because people listen to Queen. But but you're talking. But you, what are you talking about? Like David Bowie? Eh, people are uh, indifferent to Bowie. Yeah, I, I would say that's true. Um, no, I I think of like you know like uh, like L.A. glam rock that is actually kind of interesting. Like uh, what the fuck is it called? Is Dinosaur Junior old? I don't know. Oh my god! Or like forty five. You're getting onto like Gen that, X you know, like, music now, which doesn't exist for yeah. anybody really, because that was too yeah. old. Like Dinosaur Junior was old for our generation. Like I remember listening to a little bit of that because I knew that it was uh, a predecessor of a lot of early two thousands indie rock, but like couldn't get into it. But like, who did Bang a Gong get it on? Who's that? Who that? Oh geez, I don't know. Do I have to use the internet? You're gonna have to use the internet because I'm not a music guy. It's Neither funny to have like a 10 minute conversation from the Beatles to Generation X without knowing anything at all. Oh, T-Rex. That's why I was the okay. dinosaur junior. I'm like T-Rex is yeah. yeah, okay. Um okay. That's why I was like it's a dinosaur. I don't fucking know. Um uh anything you know but they do like that like we're not going to take it shit. Like anything that was a little more like, you know, 80s Republican sounding, they love that shit. But like, you know, anything punky, anything a little more stylistic, no bueno. No thank you in the Midwest. They don't like it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to know about it. Anything that has an image associated, no thank you. I don't think anybody really picked that. I just think that back in the day, you had to rely on what played on the radio. It was curated for you in a very specific way, and yeah. it depended a lot on your local disc jockeys. In fact, they get into this a little bit in the uh, Bee Gees documentary especially during the downfall of disco because there was a specific DJ in Chicago that sort of started the disco sucks movement. And it wasn't until this guy, Steve Dahl started really like shitting on it on air. The burning of the vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. The burning of the vinyl at that stadium that it really took hold. Like, I don't think that people make these decisions themselves or used to. No, that was also the rise, the you know, the nascent rise of popular homophobia, because it was basically just like we don't want this faggy shit in our radio. Because like, they're in the uh, mid nineties, mid nineties, there was a disco renaissance in midwestern and flyover country. Like it was seventies everywhere generally, but then it would be like Saturday night we're gonna play disco, so old people would be like, woo yeah and you'd hear ring my bell and shit like that and oh sure I, like, I mean there's a reason justin you know, timberlake is featured in the Bee Gees documentary right like the rise of all the boy bands and britney spears and like christina aguilera oh, yes. all these things were oh. disco inflected the macarena like the 1990s was incredibly um informed by the example of the Bee Gees specifically yeah but it was also a certain kind of inflection like i didn't know do you know who sylvester is no. Ooh. Mm, mm. Mm. Like, I didn't know about it until, like, th- three or four years ago. And, I was, uh, like, I was like, ooh, it's so good. Like, and if you're, like, of a certain scene of, like, knowing something below the pop, like, that was the stuff that people were listening to in clubs at, like, you know, going to the Pyramid Club and shit like that. But, like, you would never hear it on the pop radio because it wasn't, like, 
more heteronormative sounding because it was like it's this male deep male vocal just at a high falsetto going like yeah yeah in the Bee Gees way where it's like oh no we don't like that we don't want to hear that right right this is interesting to hear especially if it's brown you're like oh no right this is interesting to hear you say because they actually sort of paint this picture in that documentary where um they interview a guy i forget his name but he ran the gallery on mercer street which was like a really influential uh gay club apparently oh five floors up yes yeah Apparently, there was some sort of law in New York City where you were not allowed to dance with a partner of the same sex in a place that had a liquor license until like 1979 or something, 1977 maybe. And so they started all these clubs and like that's where disco actually came from was black people and gay people. Yep. Um, And then the backlash against it when you finally get this like burning of all these disco records in Kaminsky Park, like they do an interview with an usher there who was a black guy that talks about how people didn't actually bring disco records. What they mostly brought was gay shit and black shit. And that that was what was mostly being blown up. And the, you know, in the context of this documentary, the Bee Gees just kind of end up getting caught up in that, but they were sort of doing their own thing, but but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I, you know, I, this is why I always loved, you know, the joy of working in downtown Manhattan, especially in Soho, you're like, you're walking around in history. So like when you see these documentaries, when it's like, when you say this, like the club or whatever, I'm like, Oh yeah, I know exactly where that is. Like, I know what that is now. I know what it has been like, you know, fuck a walking tour. I can tell you like, yeah, that used to be a club. And they would do that in those high clubs because fat New York cops wouldn't go up the five flights of stairs. (laughs) Because there would always be a line you couldn't, and it would be like so. It's so narrow, or was like before fire codes change. Um, you couldn't get to those floors. You couldn't get to those dance floors because you'd be like, oh, "Fuck! Well, we got to get all these people out of the way," and like no one would move for the cops. They'd be like, "No, I'm in fucking line. You can wait your ass the hell outside." Like people would shut that shit down, and then cops would be like, "Okay, fine." Like it would be harder to do that when it's up a little higher uh, or subterranean. This is how you get like, you know not that this is a good example but the cock where it's like downstairs you don't go down don't go downstairs we don't do that no it's scary no that's actually scary like but up in the upstairs in the 80s you could be a little freer and it would be like fun and it'd be a little and uh, you have a liquor license ish but it'd be harder to get to, to to police yeah 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 uh-huh um you actually see this in that show the deuce a little bit did you ever watch that oh, when yeah. i was watching it Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was an okay show. I don't know. It's kind of whatever, but it's David Simon, the guy that does The Wire. But you see that a lot in the sense that all of the brothels and then the clubs and the bars that they end up running are exactly what you said. They're either upstairs or they're subterranean. Like, very rarely would you do that on the ground floor for that exactly reason. It was just not to get busted. Yeah, it's harder to get busted when you're like, where's the noise coming from? Who fucking knows? Like, right. Oh, the good old days. Uh I was in uh, Bushwick, obviously, to procure things, and there's some new bar or restaurant, and, we're, and I was like, I, there, you would have to pay me to sit outside in the fucking cold to go be in public right now, you know, like to go out for a drink or whatever. Are they doing the thing where they constructed like some sort of inflatable bubble right outside of the restaurant that is dining indoors outside? There's literally inflatable like huts outside of uh, Wolf. Seawolf, wolf something on 
right on right on the corner over there and i was like uh this is funny um but yeah there were people like in the inside plastic thing that's inside outside and maybe maybe there's a window but like mm, we're gonna try and get away with it and i was like you could not it's fucking 30 degrees it's not that serious like but simultaneously i'm like i wish people had other things to do than like go shopping right for unnecessary things you know like you can see this kind of like being a problem well do you think that they're going to open up the economy soon in new york i think they are going to because andrew cuomo and biden have both made uh gestures in this direction now that trump's gone i think we're going to see a lot more uh covid revisionism where they're going to give people permission to kind of do more things i just kind of want like what i actually want a is that j and j one shotter i'm like give me the one um and then let's just get it over with and at that point like whatever like if you get it like sure you have some sniffles for a week and like go away i'm fine with that i also don't want to necessarily go back to the like 24 7 consumption society i think that's not good but i especially when it's consumption where it's not communal i think that's a a major problem and you know speaking of the like the the disco of it all it's like what actually happens what makes places vibrant is where people can come together and actually enjoy living because when you have people trapped in apartments who don't do anything and can't go anywhere until you know or like a bar closes at 10 o'clock like you don't like get that sense of community or people feel like oh i'm released from my cage and they get real sloppy and real crazy and then you're like it's nine o'clock on a Sunday. Why are you falling over? Like, are you new? Right. What the fuck? Like, yeah. I, I think that's going to be an actual problem in New York. People are going to be like, I don't know how to drink anymore. And you're like, whoa, you need to fully not. Yeah. It sounds like that's become kind of a problem already and will continue to be one. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's, it's hard to, um, it's hard to we strike saw a girl the balance. Get peeled off the floor right. at Turtles. Okay. It was nine fifteen. I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> like, we're having a nice time, and you all are fucked up. And like, this gay man is making out with this this white woman for no reason on the street, and they left forty five minutes before we did because they got kicked out of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, y'all didn't make it, but four blocks. So this is bad. So I can't wait for that to happen. I'm like, oh, God. Okay, well. Well, okay, everyone. It's everyone's 21st birthday all over again. Oh, yeah, shit. right, right. Mm. Oy. But, yeah, no, I, I, I'm i trying to think of the corollary to the disco thing because I think that is interesting in terms of, like, a a moment of turning on a subculture that became pop cultural and i don't know if we have a similar thing to that now but it unless it's well well you know it just goes the other way it's on the right where it's like we're returning against the subculture because it's you know you're indulging in fascism but it's like that's always been a part of like certain aspects of punk uh and certain you know certain other parts of pop culture too i don't know i just i don't think there's i don't think there's very vibrant subcultures anymore like the the parallel that i think you're gesturing towards is the sort of 
change in the law in the late 1970s where like basically sodomy laws were relaxed in New York City and it allowed like a new thing to blossom. And so we're talking about um, not quite equivalent, but sort of parallel thing where like when COVID restrictions are finally lifted, like maybe you'd have something new and vibrant that pops out of that, except that it's it's different. It's just it's a hangover from something rather than a genuine progression. Whereas like the um, change of the change of laws in the seventies meant some real kind of advancement that allowed a new space to open. What's happening now is that a new space isn't opening and old space is being reborn. Um, But yet a lot of people left. Um, Everyone has sort of PTSD from whatever all this prolonged lockdown has done to everyone so like you said it's it's a different kind of genesis where everyone feels young again just because they have uh the space to while out a little bit but they're not whiling out in any genuinely new way it's regressive in a very yeah, it's specific regressive. way it's regressive um but that's why i'm like i don't know i i, I wonder if like you know once normalcy reappears if it ever does if it's a matter of you know anyone who can hang you know it's survival of the fittest of sociability and i'm like well i'm fucked because i'll be like i have three drinks i'm i'm fucked um but you know being you know you know high functioning alcoholic like yeah i can probably work it out um once you can actually like be like hi after work drinks great um on a tuesday um that might be different uh but i do think a lot of people will just like anyone who was like oh my god i moved to new york because you know uh magnolia bakery and sex in the city and yeah cupcakes and you're like fuck you fuck you and fuck your brunch we're not here for that anymore like i i hope that that will be the case where it's like these kind of uh the uh what's it called the like the museum of ice cream of it all and all this kind of performative bullshit will go away. But like people have been doing that through a lockdown. So I'm like, I don't know if that kind of mind change will happen where performing sociability goes through the wayside, which, you know, in terms of disco, that was a lot of performativity too. Like for sure. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't think, I don't think in terms of COVID lifting or whatever that, that's the thing that will go away. I mean, the the people that are still around are the ones that are preserving that performance. What they want is a gentrified New York, not a more authentic New York. Oh, but fuck them. Like they're not, they're not going to be the ones who can hang or can actually do anything to make, to rejuvenate culture. Yeah. But let's be honest, this all started a long time before COVID too, you know, like uh, just, just knowing about, previous subcultures is the only thing that distinguishes the brunch people from the cool people at this point both people are the same type of people um people that are living in new york and are cool and artsy and like you know have some sort of historical deep knowledge and people that uh moved there from the midwest to work at google in chelsea and live on bedford avenue and you know, get eggs Benedict for $32 at a restaurant on, uh, $32, you know, somewhere in Williamsburg. Like these are the same people. The only difference is knowing about one thing or not knowing about the other thing. Well, it's knowing and doing like you can know about a cool spot, but are you going to be the person who 
makes the thing that people want to do. Like that's the part where a lot of those people have been chased out because they're like, I'm just too broke. Like this, this year has broken me. And it's like, yeah, but like come back. I don't know. Like, or not come back, but it's like, there will always be like city, the metropolis in general will always draw, you know, wackos and jackos out of, out of whatever corners of the world. What we've, kind of established in the past year is that they don't necessarily have to come to the metropolises and they can have a small community and they can have greater reach via fucking zoom you know sure and they can have like clout remember when clout was thing with a k uh they can have that kind of clout but necessarily like i think what will happen is that there will be a longing to experience in the real Uh, i hate using that word because it's fraught but like you know you have to get people together in order to keep the world moving. Like, I don't think that you can just have like, well, I went to, you know, a digital DJ party and I felt connected. Feeling connected is not the same as actually like sharing space. And that's the part that, uh, I don't know what's, what that's going to look like because no one, especially like in the past 10 years knows scale or space and how to maneuver that except for people who are highly sensitive to that yeah so the brunch people are gonna fuck that up so hard i I think i think that's but they have the capital to fuck it up so i think that's relatively well said it's just that i think the the sort of uh disintegration of the social space that you're talking about has been happening for a lot longer than we gave it credit for and that covid just accelerated the process and the idea that you're hopeful that that'll like have some sort of resurgence at the end of the day that like one party will win out over another i i don't see that happening i think we're all sort of part of the same um lateralizing effect that the internet has been having on everything for about 30 years like there is no social space anymore you're talking about two different aesthetic versions of the same thing um, I think it just makes me an old person where I'm like, no, no, fuck your internet. We're not like, it's not as good as the real thing, you know? Yeah. But I, I don't even think that you have, you or I have access to the real thing. What does that even mean? We never did. It's just that we lived on the cusp of having a vague memory of the real, you know, um, the Baudrillardian desert of the real didn't really quite take over until about last year. But really, it been it's hmm. been going on for thirty years. So what do we know? Yeah, yeah, eh, maybe. But I mean, I, 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 you know, that's a hill I'll maybe choose to die on of trying to figure out what that means. Like, I, because I'm, I'm, I'm not one to surrender into this idea that like this is just how we are. And now it's like, oh no, well. Mm that is a little regressive and traditional be like, no, that's not real. Like, Ooh, that's a problem. I'll deal with that eventually. But I do think like, you know, like finding a replacement or, or accepting a replacement by necessity is not the same as finding a replacement that feels right. Like you accept this replacement of this distance and alienated kind of, feeling of being together but like i shan't accept that as the only way that we can move forward 
because I don't believe that that's actually useful towards building community, towards building culture. Well, you have to redefine what community is, what culture yeah. is. That's going to be like, hard. Like, like that in, I have no idea for, but... You have to redefine what those things are in the glow of realizing that we've all been atomized all along, but that it's only been clear now. You know, accepting that your conditions have changed and allowing the material things that did that to be valid rather than kick against them is the only reasonable rational position to have. It doesn't mean you can propose a new way forward, but I don't think that being um, recalcitrant or resistant to the type of change that's going on, whether you like it or not, is useful. This is where it's like, what if you want to be unreasonable? Like, I, I, I wonder if that's going to be this kind of, like, I don't know. It, recalcitrance is an interesting word, but I wonder if holding out might be useful or if it's a matter of going like, no, no. I understand that the way we are now is just a matter of being, but it shouldn't be the, you know, primary operational mode. I would just say that it is the primary operational mode. You don't get <sighs> yeah, to. Yeah, I don't like it though. You don't get I to don't like decide. It. You can say you don't like it, <sighs> but that's all you get to say. I mean, yeah, but then you got to figure out a way to do. Like, I think like the main problem is like, what do you do if this is something that you feel ways about? Period. And that's the part that I'm like, I don't know. I don't have an idea. I don't have, like, a thought for that, which, you know, shame on me. But, like, I don't know what that is going to look like. I do have to think about it. But I think we all have to think about, like, what is, what is what is the new, new world going to look like? And I don't want a certain class of people who are like, no, 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 let's just be futuristic about it. And like, we don't actually have to ever see people ever again. I'm like, no, no, no. I need you to sit down and shut the fuck up because I don't want that future. Um, does that make sense? I, like I, I do, I, but, like I think, but I think, but I think if you really believed mm, that, then, then the uh, logical recourse would be to be in some way violent against the people that are just uh, go along, uh, going along to get along with this new scheme of atomization and um, lack of socialization that are just totally fine with it. I mean, if you really believed what you're saying right now, you would do something about it, but you're not. And so ra rather than be fixated on modeling a new progressive world, like our time just is not now. Our responsibility is simply to wait Wait for what? Wait for conditions to change and pounce on the moment when you can. You hmm. have you have no influence over that in the meantime. Um, I think this yeah, is if very you have no influence. Period. It's going to be a little difficult. Well, and we have no influence, right? You and I, or really anybody. Generationally, we have no influence. I mean, like, look at the 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 idea that Joe Biden is the president. Callbacks, callbacks is the perfect example of this. Our time is not now, even though it should be. It's not. And but like also so like, we have to wait you know, don't more. be mad about it. Like this is why we gotta like do yeah, you know, like 
I like being lazy. Maybe I gotta not be well. I'm lazy saying about I'm saying something. the same thing. I'm not saying don't be lazy or don't be whatever. But yeah, just just wait. I've been nostalgic most of my life. Most of, most of. Um, you don't, you don't want to turn the dial to all of. No, I don't think so. Okay, all right. I, I I think I think I realize now that there's not much you can do about conditions. Conditions just change, and you insert yourself into moments when you can, and that can be really valuable and really empowering and actually really impactful. Um, but you do need to have a good ability or a decent ability to insert yourself into moments as they happen. You don't make them happen. But also... You decide when to to dive in and out of the portals. Yeah, and to tie a bow on it, like, you have to have the history and the knowledge to know what is an opportunity and when the opportunity is right to hold out for. Like, I, I think that's, you know, in talking about, you know, the BGs of it all and, like, this historicity of a certain kind of... uh post-boom Americana, like, if people, including ourselves, don't look for the right time to do things, th- that will be a problem because no one wants to be opportunistic. I think that's, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people in culture will do that. That will be a real shame um, because it won't be driven by a caring, careful approach to thinking about what what the need of the social is. Um, I think if you are a student of history, you you will know that this is the right time to enact a program. Um, it's just going to be hard to actually like want to get people to do. It's it's just going to be hard to make people want to do anything, um, and that that's a little scary. Uh, I would just me. I would say that the program will form itself and then the people that are interesting and interested will hop on board that train when it comes. I just worry about art art people because we're we're so given to be fucking hermits. And I'm like, "Oh, I know that you've really been living your best hermit life, but like when it's over, you got to like go a little harder. Like we kind of have to be Nah, people art people art people think of themselves as hermits because it's just a romanticization coming from Van Gogh of like an artist in a garret, but it's not really true. Um, art people are the most connected in many ways to the social fabric of society. It's why society needs us, and it's why we need it. Um, but nobody appreciates that until it's gone. I think that's why there's so much friction right now. The social fabric is more or less gone. And we feel that harder than anybody else. Because how do you create now? We're actually not individualistic. Uh, We are the individuals within the collective. That is why we're interesting and useful. And we don't have a role. You mean we're not lone wolves? Of course not. You know... uh, I love circling back. It's really fun for me. <laughs> love to love to bring it back. There's no lone gunman in their in their studio going like I'm the one. And if you are, you're a narcissist and you should take a pill. But that's not up to me. Uh, that's yeah. for a guy with a couch and a lot of knowledge of Freud. But like, uh, we're just the Jack Rubies that shoot all those people down eventually. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs>
Oh God! I can't wait for Katie Nolan 2.0 in 70 years to be like, well, these these two. <laughs> anyway, oh my likeness in aluminum, ugh, gonna be rough. Oh boy, I hope not. They're gonna get my jowls. That's it's a lot of pounds picture. of aluminum. Yeah, shut. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a rare right. element in the future. You know how many landfills are gonna have to excavate to find tin cans to make a Kim Jong Un style sculpture of you? Literally, they're gonna millions. be like, we have to, we have to melt down all the Richard Serres to make this one <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> we have to fuck up all the roller coasters oh, to make this one thing out of lead. Mm-hmm. It's stupid and bald. Yep, the lumpen will it. <laughs> all right i think that's a good episode <laughs> okay yeah yeah good episode all right main, main episode over i'm gonna go to the bathroom and, g- and get myself Wait, hold on up. hold on we're not done yet we have to promote the things we have a twitter you have to follow the twitter no one follows the twitter it's green underscore and underscore lewis i'm doing my job okay uh also i i sometimes post the pictures on the instagram so do that and also give us your uh patreon money please Thank you so much. Thank you, 200 people. We do want your $5 at a time. Yeah, Why? thank you. You can be a baron. You can be someone who forms the culture by giving us $5 a month. And also, our Patreon episodes have been pretty good lately, I do have to say. I think some of our better content comes out when we uh, have total Go into freedom. deep dives of your psyche? Yeah, yeah for sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been a lovely episode. Go pee. Okay, hang up. Okay, hang up.